Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. So yes, it is another podcast with Tim and Jacko, and this one is an area which is close to my heart. We are talking individualizing training, and if you're going to do one thing for your training that is going to have the biggest impact, it is to learn how to specify and individualize your training, your environment, what you're doing in your sessions to you and your individual needs, because that is the thing that's going to have the biggest impact on your progression and on your long-term gains within calisthenics. Yeah, so we're really uh, looking forward to sharing some ideas around how, as Tim says, we can individualize things. We're going to be looking at regressions. We're going to look at that, that bodyweight basics where um, that program in there, we, we have all of these sort of regressions, progressions for exercises outlined. And we know that there's now, well, there's up to 30,000 people inside the virtual classroom, Timbo, using the online programs. A lot of them are those that have jumped onto the, the bodyweight basics, which we've opened up for free. And that's the, the whole point is to get you using the program and get you moving and staying healthy and happy at home during this period. And uh, what the what we want to do in this podcast is then give you the tools to be able to get the most out of that um, and give you some confidence in how you can adapt and, and change things and give you the self the freedom to do that so that you can get the most out of your own training. So sit back, get a little notepad for this one, but also think big. Don't be constrained by what you might um, think you can do, what you can't do, how difficult you think it's calisthenics it might be, what you can get done whilst you're at home. Broaden things out a little bit, and then let's go through a process of individualizing your training. Roll that jingle. So, Timbo, yes, just me and the again, but uh, we do have we have a guest on the line. Well, it's one of our uh, one of the students from the virtual classroom and, and listener of the podcast, Joe Pedal, um, who said. He had a question uh, that sort of sparked uh, this conversation between us essentially around um, regressions and adapting training for yourself. And he had a, a specific question about um, eccentrics. I'll, I'll get him. I'll get him on the line. <laughs> Jolie there. No, he, so he sent this message in on a voice note uh, via Instagram. And we do love these. If you send us a voice note, we can then play you out um, on the actual podcast. So here is Joel. Hey, yeah, I was had a question about uh, eccentrics and just listening to your podcast about training to failure and avoiding that, and I wondered how you fit that sort of using negatives from a from a locker in that. I'll just say, Jacko, before you carry on, he's done well to get on the podcast there. And these are unprecedented times, but he's somewhat bypassed the algorithm. All he needed to say there was, I was listening to your fantastic podcast Sorry. on Train to Failure. And that would have meant he might have got on last week rather than being delayed. Sorry, but just were... remember, the algorithm is, I'm just checking that during COVID-19 lockdown, is the algorithm for the podcast still at play? It still is. There was, there was actually a voice note pre that voice note, which was, uh, we were sharing a little bit of love for going to adult gymnastics. Um, but I, I, I decided to, and of which case, and you know, in that he, he got into the algorithm by paying us some compliments. But I sort of, I went Forgive straight him. into the, sorry, sorry, yeah, I went straight, <laughs> I, did, I did a little bit of veto and went straight into, you don't want to hear us bambling on and giving each other a bit of man love. But, no, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you for the question and sparking this. And that, that's, it's quite a specific question about one of the, the ways we can regress something, one of the locker tools, as we call them, eccentrics. Um, but, and, and we can we can start off there, but then we'll, we'll like broaden it out and open it out to just how we can use um, a variety of different locker tools. 
um, to adapt training and make them either regression is making it slightly easier or we might want to also look at how we can progress them as well. So do you want to kick off with eccentrics, Tim, in that context? Yeah, okay, I'm just going to give a bit of context on this to yeah. start off with. Um, we get loads of questions. I find myself answering quite a lot of them in the virtual classroom about people sort of with specific questions about the training program and what they should do, what they shouldn't do. And, and often people are looking for sort of a one-size-fits-all thing. Tell me what I need to do. And the reality is when we start writing programs like we have in the virtual classroom, we've taken quite a lot of, um, of effort and intentionally try to make them as um, as sort of diverse or, or as widely applicable as possible. So there's a number of different things that we can use to do that. The locker is one of them, which Jacko is going to um, lead us on to in a second about the different tools that we've got, as you mentioned. The other one is around just education. When we started the School of Calisthenics, our early sort of um, ebooks and content that we were putting out was was really focused on putting the power in people's hands. And we wanted people to be able to understand and educate themselves about how they took control and ownership of their own training program. Because if we write a training program and it's our sort of like, it's, a, it's, it's, it's put out in, onto the internet and anyone can use it, the reality is that everybody requires something slightly different. There'll probably be a bell curve, but we've got a group of people in the middle where the program just fits real nice for. But there'll always be a spectrum of people who are pre that program, so it's a little bit too difficult for them, or post it, and how do you then start to make it a little bit more individual? The other thing that we did in the virtual classroom was put self-assessments in to try and smooth and aid that process. So when you finish one of the training programs, you go through a little checkbox exercise where you're sort of saying, have you achieved some basic competences? And if you haven't, it gives you prompts to go back and tells you what to work on. So it was almost, it was described by one member of the virtual classroom as individualization for the masses. And that was like a massive compliment because if you can understand and take a few of these points on board as to how you're going to individualize your program, you, you don't have to stay within the constraints of what we've provided as being your only option because that might mean that you don't progress as quick as you want to if you can take that that main body of work as what what we've provided for you is the the overview structure the progression approach and then you're able to sort of micro individualize within that whether that be exercise selection the number of repetitions or sets that you're going to do whether you need a little bit more rest our goal long term is for you to understand all of those variables so that if I say 60 seconds rest in the training program, but after 90 seconds, you're still absolutely goosed. If you understand why that's either not a problem or a problem based on the, the adaptation that you're seeking, then you can tweak your training program. So if you go into a session, for example, saying this is a conditioning workout and the objective here is to elevate my heart rate and get some some volume in the program so i'm going to get i'm going to get tired i'm going to have um, i'm going to breathe hard my heart's going to beat hard that's the objective if you hit 60 seconds and you're like do you know what? i can't do any more okay you might need to find a little bit of reserve and go again because that's the outcome of the session if it's a strength-based session and i've put down a 90 second adaptation or 90 second rest period and that might be directed towards a hypertrophy or, or muscle development session but three minutes later you still can't do it that means that you're falling into a max strength kind of rest period that we might then it might have an impact on adaptation that's not necessarily a massive problem but the more you can understand about tweaking your own training program doing three reps or eight reps what's the difference doing a four second eccentric tempo or just relaxing from the bar and effectively falling down from a pull-up what's the difference these things are all so so important in you getting the adaptation that you want and therefore moving closer to your towards your goals Jack, have you got anything on that? I feel like that's a, it's not a rant or like a, a, no, no, no. a pitch for anything. It's just that 
I really want people with their training at home using internet-based programs to understand a little bit more about why they're doing what they're doing because it's so powerful. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important, like even more so now, particularly if um, if someone's training has changed quite a bit that they previously weren't doing much training at home so therefore your environment has changed and you're doing potentially different stuff and that it becomes even more important that you are making sure that the exercises you're doing and the program that you're following is as specific as it can be for you to get the most amount of um, benefit and uh, and that's what we've always been you know we've always said that we've always had that message as you you said there Tim like from right from the off when when we started we we were trying to give people the tools to be able to make their training as, as specific to their their strength and movement like abilities or capabilities and that's where that's where I always think about the phrase of like you need to you need to your training program needs to meet you where you're at and um, that doesn't necessarily mean just doing the same as the person next to you like that's the classic thing that we do in the gym you your gym buddy like I think if I think back to when we were like lifting when I was lifting weights playing rugby you were paired up with someone that was similar to you and you'd pretty much do exactly the same weights. And the, the coach would always go, are you telling me you two on every single exercise can lift exactly the same weight? And there's no discrepancy between you because you're just falling into that trap of doing the same as someone else. Whereas um, making sure that we individualize things as much as possible is uh, is really useful. And that's where these locker tools come in, um, or as we, we describe them as these locker tools. They're just ways to adapt exercises to make them slightly easier regression or slightly harder progression. And the one that Joel was asking specifically about is eccentrics. So an eccentric is basically the lowering portion of um, a movement. We can sometimes we can we can really neglect that portion of a movement just in general. Um, I've done this on my working on frog to handstands uh, over the years. I've only just started to question myself: What about right, once you've reached your handstand? What about coming down and doing the eccentric of that? And I think, crikey, over the last four years, how many frog to handstands do you think you've done, Tim? like yeah it could be it's, it's hundreds if not thousands and like if in terms of going strength like how many of those could i have done the eccentric of as well and, and benefited from that but um in terms of uh in terms of then using it as a locker tool we can we can produce 1.4 times as much force on an eccentric the lowering portion than we can on the concentric so it works really well as a tool when we aren't quite strong enough yet to do the concentric portion so that the the pushing out say of a um of a push-up or the, on a pull-up, the, the, the motion coming up towards the bar, but we might be able to control nicely through a great through the, through the entire range of motion, the eccentric, the lowering portion. So that, uh, like the pull-up, can you go from the top all the way down? A nice slow controlled tempo, of, say like we'd we'd look at about five seconds typically for an eccentric, and it it allows us to do the full range of motion that we're trying to do with control, whilst we can't yet. Or haven't yet built up the strength to do the movement in the opposite direction, the concentric. Yeah, a nice example of that actually is if you think about a squat or a deadlift in a, in weight training, you'll often be able to find that people can put, I don't know, say put 100 kilos on the back and they're going to do a squat. They'll lower it down under control and the movement will look pretty good, but they can't get out of the bottom position. So they're just not strong enough to do the concentric. So the eccentric being the lowering phase. When we look at tempos and exercise training programs, the eccentric is the first number. So the tempo is a 202 or a 321. It goes eccentric, isometric, concentric. So the eccentric always comes first. 
sometimes that's a little bit confusing for people because it's not always the first part of a movement. So, for example, in a squat, the eccentric does come first. You start in a standing and you lower down for three seconds, for example, hold for two seconds, isometric at the bottom, and then the one centric, one second concentric is a drive up out of that bottom position. So the order of those numbers makes sense in, in, a, in those kind of movements. In a pull-up, for example, it's the wrong way around because you're starting at the bottom of the movement. So the concentric comes first. So the last number, the one, is actually going to be the pull-up. The two second is going to be the, the hold at the top and the three seconds is going to be the eccentric phase. So there's an argument which would just confuse everybody so we can't do it, is it to switch those around for some, uh, some calisthenics movements. But just remember that the eccentric is generally going to be the biggest number out of all of those three and it's going to be the first one. So if you pull up for your one second pull-up, hold for the top, then the, the biggest number or the first number is going to be that lowering down phase. So anywhere where you're decelerating force or effectively not falling. In a push-up, for example, the eccentric is going to be the first part of the movement because you're going to start with straight arms you're going to lower down towards the ground for three seconds hold for two at the bottom and drive back up and this is a, one of the variables that we've, we we can utilize within training the acute variables um the, the tempo particularly is one that i'm playing around with with a lot because as like as jacko says i think i've cheated myself on it a little bit um over the years and i think it's i've, I've like in, in the virtual takes, classroom I've, it takes the most discipline doesn't it that's, that's, wait, the that's i've it's named difficult. it the silent assassin yeah. because it's you go oh, tempo tempo like you just want to get your reps done but if you actually these tempos come from like well-reviewed sports science research so we know that to get muscle adaptation in for hypertrophy adaptation eccentrics are important we know that it's going to cause micro tears in the fibers by doing high high, high intensity um, eccentric training causes some micro tears by having the, the muscle under tension under high um, high force for longer and therefore those little tears are going to mean that we get new microfibrils microfibrils growing back in that place which means that we then increase the size of the muscle so just kind of like ignoring the eccentric phase means that we're not going to get as much adaptation as we as we're interested in so there's a little bit of context about how we can use it but we did a yeah, we did a little challenge in our first episode of the soc tv which you can find on youtube which was a push-up challenge and i've, great, I've, I've great kind TV of been show. a yeah so, i mean i mean it's only done one episode since it got interrupted well, by corona yeah virus, but then but, i haven't told you this we have had contact from um bbc no but someone oh. that are they are looking for content for tv programs oh I'm 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 working on it. So is it not is it is it not TV? No 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 no. This, this is legit. I haven't told you because it's it's nothing's happened yet. If you know what I mean. If he comes back with like I pitched him our idea uh, some ideas and if he comes back, um, <laughs> this is no. I know this is a podcast. I'm actually just giving giving Tim a bit, of a, but that's that could be quite exciting for us. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Sorry. So back to eccentrics. Um, so uh, yeah. So the challenge was like to do like a cluster set. So four second eccentric, two second hold at the bottom, and a one second rep. Four push ups on the balance. Ten second rest. How many sets can you do? And I said to I said in the, in the video, if you can get to ten, you're doing well. But eccentrics are super tiring. Like they absolutely rinse you. So if you're trying to do pull ups and you can normally do ten, if you all of a sudden start controlling that tempo on the way down, you're going to be leveled about probably about five or six and it's a massive ego here but a, a normal strength-based tempo for a pull-up is 202 if you're doing like normal kind of training it's no, not it's not a no, no one does 202 no, no one does 202 and just for the record i also 
uh, can't do 10 sets of that push-up at those if I'm strict to those um, yes yeah, tough those eccentrics but I would normally do a put on a one second concentric because I want the power because I still want the muscle up so I want the speed I don't want to necessarily be in a slow concentric so I'm making a choice out of those tempos of to individualize my training program that because I want to maintain some some speed in my muscle in my pull-ups which is going to transfer to muscle ups I'm going to do a one second concentric but what I am starting to do more of is, is at least aiming for a two second concentric. Two seconds stops you from falling. If you go three or four seconds, it'll stop you falling through full range. Two seconds is enough to kind of like get you halfway. And they might go, oh, crap, collapse. But if you actually commit to trying to three seconds, yeah, there's some serious, serious adaptation to be had. And remember, this is a new stimulus. If you haven't done this before and you've hit a plateau, just by changing something so simple like that is going to give you a massive kick in the right direction. Yeah, 100%. And I think that the, just just want to like touch on um, Joel's. Joel was asking for about eccentrics in the Train to Failure podcast. If you haven't listened to the Train to Failure, I'm trying to find out what number it was. I can't remember. Yeah, I've entirely not answered Joel's question half an hour of talking. <laughs> no, no, but we are. We give this some concept. It's but, important. Um, it's a bigger picture yeah, than yeah. just the locker tool. Um, the train, so in Train to Failure, um, he was, uh, so should Train to Failure, that's episode 101. There you go. Um, check that one out if you haven't done. Um, and in terms of eccentrics, it's a little bit more there was around like if you are going to failure, and I'm thinking these, the question is more around if you are using them at like for sort of like at the end of a like a drop set style hypertrophy um, scenario where you might have maxed out and or you've got to you've got to the end of a or it could be two scenarios that you've chosen to like add in some eccentrics at the end just to get some some more like additional volume in at the end of a, a set or the end of your like uh, block of bit of work that you're doing. Or it might be that you couldn't quite reach the numbers you were trying to achieve. It's like you've got, say, you're trying to achieve six or eight reps, but you only got to like four. You might have like a little mini break and you could break them up into clusters or which would be like small, like go again in like smaller little chunks or actually just finish off those reps with eccentrics so not breaking up the set at all, but just using them to go, okay, and make a note of that in your scorecard and training diary, obviously. Um, make a note of that. Like, so on my training program, it said I was going to do six, but actually I've done four full reps. And then the last two reps I did is just eccentrics. So I come back next time and it might be, I'm going to try and do five full reps and then one just eccentric until I can build up to those six. It might not happen as quick as that either. Not like every week we can just put on an extra rep, but you're just trying to do, some level of progressive overload through that and eccentrics there when you're working for something like quite quite high strength based and quite uh, almost like hypertrophy um, adaptations if they're your goals then they can be they can be effective for that I'd probably say isn't it what you think about that Tim? Yeah I think there's a it's a really interesting point actually because how I use eccentrics and then also um, contrast what you just talked about there about not being able to finish a set and, and there is no right or wrong, right? It's just, there is no, this is just the point. There is no perfect training program. Jack and I have, could have had the same athlete as a case study, written two different training programs, and that athlete still would have made gains, even though those training programs weren't the same. Um, so it, there are always different ways to achieve the end goal. But for this one, for example, say that I'm working on something where, I don't know, let's go handstand push-ups as an example. If I'm going to handstand push-up, I'm, I'm trying to do eight reps. If I get to six, 
and I can't finish the last two sets. What my typical go-to, oh, sorry, two reps, my last, my go-to typically is going to be a cluster approach. So I'll drop down, I'll take a five, 10 second rest, I'll kick back up and I'll hit one. If I can get the second one, I'll do it. If not, I'll come back down, take my rest and I'll hit it. Because my objective there is I want to train the concentric. I want the push. So if I take the concentric phase out, then it's not helping me. Contextualize that. My goals are often handstand push-up or pressing-based movements. So I need that concentric adaptation. Not to say the eccentric won't help, but what I would probably do, the way I would normally program eccentrics is have a dedicated eccentric set. So I'm either going to properly load up the eccentric component of a set. So when I was doing more like um, weighted pull-up work, looking to really improve strength for front levers and muscle-ups, I was using a weight rest and I was trying to get the concentric. I wanted the one second pull, but I was hammering myself on a five second eccentric. The focus of it really would have been if I couldn't do the concentric, I would just jump up and grab the top of the bar and lower myself down because I wanted the eccentric specifically to build um, that, that deceleration of strength, to increase muscle size, to start to work under higher tensions. And as Jacko said before, because we can that that eccentric is, a, is an effective tool of increasing just general strength capacity in terms of impacting the pulling component because we're starting to improve the neuromuscular drive to a muscle to improve in muscle size there's a, there's merit in having four five six weeks of just eccentric training to get that adaptation and then you can then move into more concentric work to convert that through so you might build a bigger base through using a dedicated eccentric training block get some more kind of muscle size, some more neuromuscular connection, as I said. And then your next block, if your goal is a muscle up, is to go and take that improved capacity and train power. Because now I've got all this muscle and I've got some more neuro wiring. My job now, having trained slow, so my brain and my central nervous system has got good at training slow. Now I've got to go and convert that. I've got to teach it to be fast. So I would then partner that with a power-based block of training to, to speed myself up again. And the result of that, more total power production or force production, sorry, from the eccentric block, more speed and explosive power from the power block gives me better muscle up performance. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I love, uh, what I really love about the the context of that is you've, we've, you've gone like two elements that, that this can, this, this should be takeaway messages for everybody that you gave two examples, like the handstand example and then the pull up example and went, well, actually, in this scenario with the handstand, I'm not, my concern is not um, the eccentric because what I'm trying to achieve is the concentric. So it's going to be more useful for me to use a different tool. You talked about the clusters. Um, and then when in the context of like the pull-up, actually that is where it could be really good to use for these reasons. And what I want to try and pull out there for people is then to go, you understanding what you're trying to get out of your training is the most important thing for you to be able to individualize. Um, and then the, and then in terms of the pull-up, what was then great is to go, well, actually, that's only based on this one part of wanting to do a muscle-up. I'm then going to flip that. and not, I'm not going to expect my eccentrics just to turn into a muscle-up one day. I'm then going to flip that and then focus on that power element. So even the difference between going, you went like handstands. Yeah, I might not use it because of these reasons for for a muscle up. I might use it, at, but then only during this part. And then later for a muscle, I'm going to do something else. So the context changes all the time, and I don't want that to sound uh, complicated for people. It, it's actually dead simple. Just what do you want? What do you want out of your training? What do you want to achieve? And then make sure that your training is relevant to that. 
Yeah, and also you, for me, the, the, it's important to understand more than individualization. I'm generally good at pushing work. I'm better at it than I'm at pulling. So I'm kind of in a different place with that handstand push-up example as I am with a with a um, pull-up example. And those are real like live examples that I use week in, week out. So if I was struggling with pushing work more and I needed more tricep strength or more shoulder strength, I would be thinking about doing a block of eccentric work on my pushing work, on my pushing kind of patterns. But the reality is like, I don't need that much more from that because I'm, I'm strong enough to do what I want to be able to do. I just need a little bit more pressing strength to get me out. So it's a drive kind of um, adaptation that I'm looking for. I'm weaker at my pulling work. So I need to build a bigger base in my pulling stuff. That's why I use eccentrics there. And I understand that this gets confusing for people and people might be like, do you know what? Just tell me what I need to be able to do. But this is where the real gold is. If you can understand what adaptation you get from using eccentrics, you can apply that into what you want from your training. And this will go back to something that Jacko is really passionate about of going, what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? If you understand that as your starting point, then you go, right, to do that, these are the things that I need to do. If we're training athletes over four years and we've now five years since they delayed the Paralympics and Olympics. <laughs> so we had, a, we had an extra year that we didn't know that we had. I know, we all peaked already. And now, like, oh, crack, you've got to try and sustain this for a year. It's 2024 um, staying the same. So it'll be like a three years cycle. Yeah, I think so, hopefully. Um, so, what, what we would do in that state is we go, where do we need to be at the end of this season, the end of the four year cycle? And with these are the attributes that we need in place. And then we work backwards from that. We'll go, how do we achieve those? Well, I need more power because I'm a sprinter. Okay, so where are the opportunities for me to gain more power? But I've got really poor ankle stability. Let's fix that first. Let's fix the ability of the um, of your mobility so that you can increase stride frequency, stride length, whatever it might be. Um, so the, yeah, these are things I just encourage you to work out what you want, work backwards from that, and then just understand that. And and I don't want to sort of bang on too much about the virtual classroom, but we are an educational organisation, Jacko. Uh, if people hadn't realised, <laughs> and uh, if I you like that if phrase, you actually educational organisation, I don't think we've used that phrase before. I like that. Get that on a t shirt. <laughs> um, but if people go through the virtual classroom and they actually read what we've put in there, they're going to become masters of their own training program because there's pretty much everything in there. And um, and a quick heads up, we have got a textbook in the pipeline i say in the pipeline it's a cloud pipe dream more no, like at the no, moment we've, we've... we had a meeting and we scoped some stuff out and there is there is a, there is a plan yeah and it's going to be i'm going to put it out there the best calisthenics textbook there is on the market because that's what i that's my goal is to write that so then i need to work out what needs to be in it to do it 100 percent. but you've got we've got to we've, yeah with be no point us aiming not to do that um, true i just want just before we uh finish i just wanted to shift gears a little bit of just into um there's a number of people i said at the beginning there's a number of, like thousands that have jumped in early or jumped in now because of the restrictions you know we, we are like in the uk and around the world in most places like restricted to uh being uh, spending a lot more time at home and certainly training at home and therefore people using the bodyweight basics program that we've opened up for free and one of the things that we did in that program very uh, sort of acutely and specifically is to provide a number of regressions and progressions for all the different exercises. So any of the exercises in there have a regression and a progression. So each exercise effectively becomes three. Um, but with that, they're just one of the sort of exercise regression, like the type of um, thing that we might do to make it slightly easier and that could be any of the locker tools. And we've just gave one example that we think might be applicable. But if you, just to encourage you that if you 
if you can take some of the principles that we're talking about, um, you could then tweak any of those other exercises um, to make them suit you. It might be that you use that eccentric tool or you might use that cluster set where you, you break them down. As Tim talked about having like five, 10 seconds rest between between reps if you need to. And I just want to encourage people to have have the freedom to be able to explore different ways to, to train and explore different ways to use those uh, exercises and training programs in body, well, whether you're using bodyweight basics or whether you're following any of the other programs or not even following our programs, even if you're following someone else's programs, like give yourself, educate yourself so you have the freedom to be able to do um, do a little bit more with your training, get more out of it um, and make it more specific to you. I've just like the title of this podcast to individualize it because um, one of the things that um, I'm trying to get my mindset towards and encourage people at this current time is we need to focus on uh, what we can control rather than what's restricting us. And so I don't want us to feel restricted. Um, and we're restricted by a number of different things currently in, in our lives. And training shouldn't be one just because you're training at home and there's a program to, that we've got for you to follow. Don't feel restricted. Get get yourself liberated by understanding a little bit more, so that you can then adapt it to suit you. Um, that's my that's my sort of resounding take home or resounding ending message from me. Yeah, I've got one just to answer Joel's question, which I don't know if I've done yet. Um, <laughs> just a parting we'll gift. Before... We'll do that on another podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, somebody will comment on this and be like conversation starts at 35 42 like that's what they always do on youtube go if handstand training starts 10 minutes yeah anyway um the so just on eccentrics because we've talked a lot you can use eccentrics eccentrics to improve endurance okay so the adaptation being that if you take longer to lower down during um, a a set of repetitions of push-ups then your body is going to respond to extended time on attention because it's going to help you to get better at completing the task that you're, you're you're challenging it with which is to do things slower so if you're going to do a set of 12 push-ups which it would we would categorize as an endurance based set due to the number of repetitions doing them slower is going to help you to get better at doing endurance type work so that could be a good adaptation eccentrics can be used to help build a bigger base so if we're trying to improve a strength base we might aim for sort of five five eccentric reps of five seconds of a weighted pull-up for example or a bodyweight pull-up where we're only focusing on lowering down the objective there is just to improve the capacity of the muscle and the ability of that muscle to be able to produce force to be able to potentially maybe get us to our first unassisted um, full bodyweight pull-up that could be an option that we use it for or for to improve capacity towards muscle ups that sort of thing so there's a strength opportunity there if we're using more like a five repetition rep range eccentrics can also be used to improve um, hypertrophy so hypertrophy is going to happen if we do high tension work so we might aim for eight repetitions and we might try and do a four second eccentric on on a pull-ups for example or, or something like that the intensity needs to be right there though so it needs to be eight repetitions to failure which is going to bring me on to joel's point in a minute or roughly close to failure if we are going to do um some more volume-based work, increased time under tension is also going to give us a more hypertrophy adaptation if the intensity is, again, correct. So bodybuilders, for example, will use high-tension work or high-intensity work, five, six, seven, eight repetitions, and they'll also do stuff which is more like metabolic stress, which is going to be like maybe 10s, 12, I'd say 12s to 20s potentially at the end of a set, these high-volume, lower-intensity, but just repping out work. 
And if you start to load up the intensity or the, the sorry, the eccentric phase in both of those, you're going to find that you're going to get hypertrophy adaptation. So those are just some uses of it. And it depends on what you're, what you're wanting to, to achieve. In terms of training to failure, a failure point for me with an eccentric cut would point where it would come where I can't now maintain the number I can't maintain that tempo. So if I've set the set out to be a four or five second eccentric, if I can't hold that anymore, that's my point of failure. So if I take, if I just falling out of a pull up in two, three seconds, I can't lower down. That's, that's where I would class as failure. Now, the question about train to failure, which we covered before, just for those that just want a bit of an overview, if you're looking to get a strength adaptation, like pure maximal strength, we probably don't need to train to failure. We don't need to be at the point where we're literally busting or failing on our last rep. We can keep maybe one rep in the bank, potentially. And there's a number of different ways that are becoming more and more scientific because we can understand how close to failure we need to train. If we are training for a hypertrophy or endurance-based adaptation, the research is suggesting that training to failure is not a big massive problem. But we still want to be able to hit those rep ranges. If you hit a target of eights, tens, twelves, adjust the intensity so that you can hit those repetition targets because they're established in the literature and we know that they work. If your rep range is 12 and you can only do 10, then you're not hitting that rep range appropriately. That's not fail. That's not that's trained to failure, but also not hitting the the adaptation that you that you're looking for. So, adjust repetition ranges. And if you're if you can't do three sets of twelve, um, and that's what your goal is, that's what we would then recommend that you start using clusters, or you break the setup, or you change the intensity a little bit. You tweaking it so you can hit that total amount of volume for an endurance or hypertrophy adaptation. Volume is the kingpin most of the time. Hypertrophy a bit more complicated because we need a level of intensity as well but we've we can touch on that again in, in more detail in a different podcast but i hope that answers the question yeah and uh, well um i was just going to say that uh, podcast episode 22 tim if you go back you go back that is two years old apparently podcast episode 22 using calisthenics for hypertrophy gains um but we talked as hypertrophy came up a number of times if people do uh want to are looking for sort of a bit of uh, adding additional muscle mass etc then that will be yeah, a good... Fran, yeah there's a bit, a bit more science now but fran also talked about this i manager recently in what must have only been a few podcasts ago yeah well, 116 maybe something like that oh, okay jack has got his library no, no, i haven't that's what that one's a guess the other uh, uh the hypertrophy the original one is definitely 22 but um yes there was one with um uh, i manager fran um on 15 or 116, something like that, talking about he was a, yeah. a bodybuilder using calisthenics now uh, to help his bodybuilding. And, and I think I've got lots of kind of like final points today. Um, I'm not going to let me crack on to the next part of this podcast. This can, training variables and this sort of stuff can sound confusing, but it becomes really, really simple if you know what you want. Because if you want to build more muscle, just go and like say, that's my objective, hypertrophy. Using calisthenics, we've talked about that with Fran um, on the podcast that you can listen to. There's so much research and so many, so many people have taken complex research and they've simplified it. Just go and understand the variables a little bit. Um, if you're trying to improve endurance, just understand that. And, and what our programs will generally cater for is the, is the achievement of a goal. So if you're trying to move towards a, a muscle-up, most of the time, the program is going to be periodized and structured in a way which is just going to take you through the steps that you need to go through. And then the end of module assessments, the self-assessments are going to say, have you achieved this basic amount of strength? If you haven't, go back and repeat the block. But that when you're starting to be, get more generalized about training, 
and it's not so much specific about a particular movement, then it's of even more value to understand the variables because whilst we're training at home, for example, you might not have access to be able to do a muscle up. You might just want to do some basic general conditioning work, which is going to build a bigger base. And there are so many options that we have within that. And it just takes a little bit of just research or some reading or go through the stuff in the virtual classroom or listen to podcasts to educate yourself. Write yourself a plan, as Jacko said before, put the reps and sets down and just stick to it. And all of a sudden, something which can feel quite confusing can become much, much more simple. You can feel very more, you feel like you've got much more clarity over what you're trying to achieve. And my final point, final, final, final point is that adapt. Try it, adapt, give it time. You are not going to see massive gains in a week. So if you if you put a new kind of stimulus in, give it four weeks, see how you're feeling, evaluate it, and then tweak your training program. Don't get stuck rigid on going, well, the, the blog said three sets of 10 at this percentage. And I can't do that. So but I was going to keep trying, switch it. And that's where, where understanding training and the ability to individualize gives you so, so much freedom to not get stressed about it, to stay in the game and to get long-term adaptations because you have ownership of your program. Yeah, because the flip side of that one is, is going, jumping, going, doing, doing what oh, I did one set of eccentrics last week, Tim, and uh, yeah, I'm bored of that now. Or I'm not, I, don't, I don't feel any stronger. Like you've got to do it. You've got to have some discipline to stay in there for a little bit of time. Yeah, I was working when I was doing some stuff in my pull-up last summer. Um, I set this off of 12 weeks. That was my block. And I did the same thing of eccentric pull-ups with a weight vest on for 12 weeks. I periodized it. Week one, two, three were loading phases. So I increased the load, had a deload, deload week on week four, and then I went again. And each time I went back into a new block, into blocks from block one to two to three, which were four weeks at a time, I just tried to increase a bit of weight. And it worked over time. And it's just, you got to it's you can't expect like real fast. If it was that easy to gain strength, like crikey, I'd be an absolute monster. By now. <laughs> Everyone would be strong, exactly. Um, and just digging out the archives, just to correct myself, it's episode 117. So it's only, I think this, we're currently on 120. Um, so just a few ago, uh, that was nutrition and bodybuilding with calisthenics uh, with Fran from Iron Manager, obviously covering, because he's talking about hypertrophy, did cover uh, nutrition, which is an important part of that as well. It's not to say that you could just have to do these certain magic numbers of reps and all of a sudden uh, you're going to be a bodybuilder. Jacko, should we chat about how the locker can also be used to regress and progress? Because there are different functions of the locker, but all of those tools that we have in there give you an opportunity to individualize your training program. Yeah, I mean... Eccentrics is probably one of the most scientific out of all of them, to be fair. Yeah. Or has multiple uses in that sense. Yeah. Um, And I think there's... If we try to go through some of them... um, sort of briefly it just give you a flavor of their over uh, the overall thing is they are a tool to be able to make something slightly easier for you or slightly harder for you and that might be uh, just to adapt it to you or it might be that a certain progression um, that you're working on you can't go to the next step yet or the next level yet but you just need uh, something to help bridge that gap that's often where they use quite well um, and so we've got things like uh, assistance which could be the assistance of um a partner in a in a handstand giving you a little bit of like help and support which actually adds in additional bit of stability and stability is another tool that we can make something harder by taking away the stability making it more difficult or we can add in some stability uh, making something more stable it might be the surface you're doing a handstand on etc um, or the assistance could be um, using a resistance band which often is good for things like when you're trying to um, just hone and, and, and develop a new movement pattern like in the muscle-up, for example, that, that transition where we're not used to going from um, the top of a pull-up into a dip. 
they can be very useful, both on the bar and the rings, to just help us re that sort of program the brain for this new movement pattern we're going to develop. But equally, it can be very good for sort of an assistance in terms of taking a little bit of load off you uh, for some of your frog stand progressions, having a band like on a bar, like attached to a bar above your head, coming down around your hips, and just helping you manage that that hip, your centre of mass above your base support, and just giving you a little bit of help um, in that. We've already mentioned eccentrics. As you said, we've already mentioned. Um, clusters or broken sets where you're going to break a big set so your set of like eight or ten reps they might be broken down into smaller little chunks of like fours or threes or twos with sort of 10 seconds rest in between so think of those being like uh, little little mini sets um try and think of any other levers and angles is a is a sort of obvious one that we'll often use to go okay i just need to change my body angle or my body position it might be that I change a lever length, so my leg is now going to be bent rather than it being straight. I'm going to be in a tuck position. Um, you know, a, a classic one on sort of like if you think of something simple like a push up. If I raise my hands up in a push up, then I am um, I'm up. My body is going to be up at an angle, and it's going to be easier in terms, slightly easier in terms of the the force development I've got to produce to get myself up. And I can progressively make that more difficult as the weeks go on by just dropping that height down ever so slightly. So you can be creative when you're training at home for things like that, like using different, um, just using different uh, tables and chairs and things that you've got around you. Um, a nice yeah. one of, in terms of uh, like body angles is going the depth I'm going through something. This is a great one, particularly for for handstand and pressing work, where often we're restricted in terms of a range of motion in pressing work um, in handstand type positions or pipe pushups, where as we lower our head down to the floor, our head literally reaches the floor. And we're not actually as deep. Your hand is not going down to sort of the deep position you would do normally in a in a traditional sort of overhead press movement. And so, by raising our hands up on something, it might be like some little parallettes, or it could be a set of books or anything. When you're at home, allows us then to go through a deeper range of motion, which is always good. Like if you think about the the, the great range of motion that the shoulder has the ability to possess, yours may or may not be uh, tight and like it, but it's good to, it's good sort of, I think it's almost like good nourishment for the, particularly for the shoulder to go through, the same as any of the joints, to go through that available range of motion that we've got so that we're not restricting ourselves. There you go, that word restrictions come back in. Um, <laughs> nice little theme. Don't be restricted at the moment. Whether you're restricted by the exercise you're doing or restricted by being at home, you can still get plenty of good work done and stay fit and healthy for sure. Any other yeah. blocker tools I've missed? Um, stability is an interesting one because it opens up the the, um, the use of gymnastics rings. So I use rings a lot for pushing and pulling movements because it makes it a little bit more difficult. So if I'm trying to find ways to overload pushing patterns, particularly for me, then I'll just do my pipe pushups using the rings, or I might use them use them for some some pulling patterns or, or whatever it might be. But there's just there's so many different ways, and and I think that the real power and the ownership of when we're talking about different exercises is that you can um, if you want to, if you're, if you're following a training program and it's got easy, you can, it says 10 push-ups, but you want to keep using that training program, do 10 push-ups on the rings through greater range of movement, combine two of those tools and all of a sudden, and then three tempos in there as well. And all of a sudden what you thought was quite simple and achievable of a 10 push-up set is now all of a sudden going to absolutely level you. Um, and, and those are, and, and even with the training program that if you're following something like a frog to handstand and you're really struggling to get that one knee off, but the training program doesn't say, um, take one knee off using a band or use a band for assistance, which I think ours does. But if it doesn't, 
does doesn't mean you can't use that that tool to get you to the point where you can take one knee off or or whatever it might be and and, and it's just having that freedom to to kind of move around a training program and if you know the next kind of like we, we talk about creating stable foundations um which allow you to move to the next progression. And, and if you know where the, the point is that you need to get to, which could be for a frog to handstand, being able to take both knees off in a frog stand, whether you do that exactly in line with how we've periodized a training program, um, using the exact methods of progression that we've put in there, um, it, or you use them in slightly different ways, it doesn't matter necessarily. You, you can use those and you've got freedom to be able to do it. We think the process will work for the most amount of people and that's why it's designed like that. But there's so there's so many times when everyone's starting from different points, and it's just having that having that freedom to try something different, and and ultimately what we're trying to make sure that we can do is is find a point that is appropriate for us. So if it's too easy and we're trying to get stronger, we need to find a way to make it more progressively um, challenging, and therefore we create some more overload, and then therefore stimulus to to create adaptation. If it's too difficult, and, and and we need to find a regression, which means that we can get up to that level. And we're just going to go and pick away, which means that we can achieve the, the, the objective of, say, 10 repetitions and the slightly easier progression or regression. Sorry. And then we're going to build up towards being able to do it at the full kind of um, movement that we it was kind of established. So I hope that's come across as making some some level of, of, of sense. Um, and a lot of it just comes down to, to a bit of trial and error. Feel free to play with it and see what works. And there's so many times when Jacko and I could tell stories of where we've gone down one avenue thinking that it's the right thing to do. And we found out that it didn't make that much difference. But what we learned from doing that is so valuable because it might be that we go, okay, do you know what? It didn't work at all. Or what I learned there, I can actually apply into something else in my training. Um, and that investment that you're making in your own knowledge and, and understanding is like for your long-term health and progress, regardless of whether it's in calisthenics and other things, it's just massively, massively valuable. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Like to really echo, so it's something that I'm, I really love that idea of, and just to echo that from Tim, that just because you tried something and it didn't work or wasn't maybe like the greatest thing, that's like massively useful. Like how can you use that? How can you use that to help someone else? Or how can you use it to help you? Like finding out what's going to be best for you. You're going to have to try a few different things. And as Tim said, like we've programmed things so that to the best of our knowledge, like here is the, the, the most effective way that you're going to be able to, to progress through these different movements and, and things that you're trying to learn. But the caveat or the additional like supplement to that is the locker. And the locker is a case of like, here's all the tools and understand them. We, we recommend these ones in these scenarios, but um, they're there for you to use and explore and, and have that freedom to, to experiment with your training. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you're only going to, you're only going to become a better, a better trainer of yourself and a better coach of yourself. Um, by doing that so yeah we just want to encourage you to to do that yeah bodyweight basis is a great example of that it's the first training program that we designed with such um clear structure around regression and progression so we've in each of the training programs is like a we call it like a um a uh, like the main exercise is going to be i forgot what was our phrase that we used for it r1 p like regression we had all, yeah, yeah so we had the main exercise, exercise then we had r1 and p1 so the, the r1 is a regression one so what are you going to if that main exercise is going to be um too easy you want to make it more difficult there's an r1 so that let's take for example that could be a push-up is your main exercise the, the regression or the progression from there sorry i've got my numbers mixed up now the p1 and the r1 p 
for progression. P for progression. <laughs> so the P one, if it's going to be too easy, the standard push-up, it might be push-ups on rings through range of movement. We're going to try and challenge that. The R one, the regression, could be hands on a box, elevated, feet on the ground, so that the body angle is slightly increased um, in terms of more vertical, um, and that is going to make it easier for you. So in every single exercise, there's a regression and progression. And the point of that being that we wanted to make calisthenics accessible to anybody. So literally, I think literally anybody could find a program that they could do within bodyweight basics by and it might be that you use all the regressions all the way through all three training programs perfect because what you're doing is making um, positive steps towards getting stronger moving well having more fun with your training and you'll eventually find that if you do those for long enough you'll move on to the the, the main kind of exercises that we've put down the training program and there is absolutely no shame in starting at a regression it's just from a training program perspective we have to put something down as a starting point um, and the main pillar of what calisthenics fundamental movements um, are and that's what bodyweight basics is all about but anybody can jump on and even if you think oh, basics i'm well beyond basics mate um i use bodyweight basics principles all the time because we constantly within calisthenics need to build a bigger base and we do that by improving our capacity strength and that is done by improving our capacity in in, in pull-ups push-ups dips and variations of if you want to do 10 handstand push-ups and you can currently do one well guess what you got to get stronger and you're going to do that by using the fundamental movements yeah i'm using um a load of a load of stuff from bodyweight basics and loads of regressions at the moment to to literally do that i'm actually taking this time where i probably can't don't have the facilities quite at home to do like this exactly the same training i was doing before sometimes but i'm really enjoying as you said building that base and 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 yeah, there's not there's something nice about uh, just having a bit of fun with some of those those basics and just broadening things out. So um, yeah, we really hope that you've uh, found this uh, found this podcast episode helpful in terms of being able to uh, individualize, as the title is of it, individualize your training for yourself um, more and more, and, and and therefore get more out of your training, and particularly at this point in time whether you want to, whether you can use some of or all of Bodyweight Basics to help you uh, with your training at home for some ideas of those regressions and progressions, then uh, we'd love you to join us if you haven't yet done inside the virtual classroom. Whilst we know you're probably really enjoying the podcast, there's something else that we think you will also really enjoy. And that is the virtual classroom. If you're a beginner, we have got an eight-week free beginner's program designed to help you start your calisthenics journey where you're going to learn how to move better, get superhuman strong and have a lot of fun along the way. If you're ready to take your training to the next level and learn some of the iconic calisthenics movements like a frog to handstand or a muscle up, then inside the virtual classroom you are going to find all the training programs and educational information that you need. But rather than keeping you from the podcast for any longer than necessary, head over to schoolofcalisthenics.com where you're going to find a bodyweight training resource which is different to anything else available anywhere. Tim, I think they're ready to get back to the podcast. I've waxed lyrical today, haven't I? Well, I've got off on one, I feel like. I've got nothing else to say. Good. (laughs) (laughs) My final point, Jacko. (laughs) Well, I I thought your final point was going to be... that people, if they haven't yet shared Bodyweight Basics, it's our, uh, the program we've made for free for people that they should share it with their friends and family and loved ones so that they can obviously uh, use it to be able to train at home as well. Um, and, and 
and uh, and not to be put off by some of the stuff in equipment if you're at home and you haven't got equipment there's so much in there that you can do um and we will we are going to um i've had a uncertain start to this week which has put me off slightly but um i will uh more, more details to follow um uh there are so many ways that you can adapt some of those exercises and if you can't if you haven't got a pull-up bar and you can't train pull-ups whilst we're in um this lockdown phase Let's not stress about it. It doesn't mean that there's not stuff in a training program which can be of benefit of. And to be honest, most people need to improve horizontal pulling anyway. And most people have got a dining room or kitchen room table, which you can, which you can do it off. Video, videos incoming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there is going to be more and more stuff coming for us. There are, we're doing um, live workouts at 11 o'clock through Monday through to Friday um, on Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, there's all those, all those actually go are using stuff from bodyweight basics just at home. And, uh, they're, I say, live at 11 o'clock, but they also go into a playlist on YouTube that you can then watch them back um, at any point. So that's just starting to be populated. Depending on how long this situation goes on for, there's going to be potentially an awful lot of workouts you can do at home uh, follow along with us. Um, so do check out our YouTube channel and subscribe if you haven't done yet so that uh, you can get notified and you see all when those new videos come up or just jump on and certainly jump on at 11 o'clock each Morning, that's UK time, Greenwich Mean Time, 11 a.m. That's it for that's today. It. Other than if you haven't review, give us a nice review for the podcast, you can also do that. We'd appreciate that. Um, if you've got any questions, five stars only, please, people. Five stars. <laughs> and if you've got any questions that you want to read out on the podcast and then us not really answer them, then. Um, <laughs> but we answered it, it. it just took <laughs> an hour. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, send it, either send us an email, Tim is Tim at scorecardsense.com or I'm David at scorecardsense.com. Um, and don't get confused between Jacko and David. We're the same people. Uh, I may pretend that David is my PA, but don't get confused by that. Or if you want to, uh, we love the voice notes. If you want to put it on, um, send us a voice note on Instagram and get into the algorithm, uh, if you know how, uh, with your question. And uh, you can hear your own sweet voice on the podcast asking the question. Joel's going to hear this and be like, yeah, so... Um... So sorry, to, sorry to bother you. But, uh, how, how do you use these eccentrics? <laughs> listen, just listen to it again. You get, we get there. We get there. We get there. Um, yeah. So um, thank you for listening. As ever, if you made it all the way let's, to the let's end, let's get off the yeah, airwaves, Jacko. You made, it, you made it all the way to the end. Well played, you. You can tell we're in self isolation, can't you? Because we were flipping, banging on for ages. We've got, no, we've got nothing else to do today. We'll do another podcast. Do another hour like this. Right. I'm sorry. I'm going to be quiet now. I'm going to turn my mic off. Shh. Well, no, you can finish it off, Tim. Until next time. My final point is class dismissed. So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts. So we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a lot of value out of it, guys. And we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value. And also, if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars, not as good keep it five are the best five of your best stars please (laughs) and if you would like to find out more about the school of calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got head over to our virtual classroom you can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com and that is where we have got literally possibly the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world it's definitely the best one we've done and on that note until next week class dismissed